The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Picture this. Crystal clear vision without the hassle of glasses or contacts. Imagine watching Josh Allen's game-changing touchdowns with absolute clarity. At Ficta, Endel, and Elmer Eye Care, we can make that a reality. Now, in a matter of seconds with Zeiss Smile technology, you can see clearly and get back to doing the things you love as soon as the next day. Visit us online at Ficta.com and take our free self-test to see if you're eligible and schedule an evaluation. Ficta, Endel, and Elmer Eye Care. Focused on you. Go Bills! Heavy is the head that wears the crown. I put in extra work that just can't be found. I took the sword out the stone, wasn't a thing. Look me in my eyes, cause I'm a king. Look me in my eyes, cause I'm a king. God made me punch in accurate numbers. My castle won't crumble. What I tackle will fumble. I've been a leader when they ain't see it, but now my feet is up. According to me, royalty didn't end with King Tut. Crown on my head, clouds is at my legs. Big says sky is the limit. I look down on the ledge. I push the bar like I'm opening the cell. Hands in my cookie jar, you won't come out with a single nail. I need all of mine. The weight of my shoulders won't fit on a scale. What's a king to a giant? Well, Goliath fell. Even if we playing chess, dog, this king can't be checked I make all my moves on the board, I invented my steps uh-huh. I'm a king, the blood of a ruler, I feel like Mansa Musa Make your squad disappear like landing by the Bermuda Triangle, look at it from my angle I'm a king, the closest thing to being one of God's angels yeah. I'm a king Heavy is the head that wears the crown I put in extra work that just can't be found I took the sword out the stone, wasn't a thing Look me in my eyes cause I'm a king Look me in my eyes cause I'm a king Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night This is the Code of Conduct of the King podcast I am your host, Jay Spencer King And it is Tuesday, October 24th And I'm excited, <laughs> I'm excited to uh, be recording this podcast It is, it is, uh, well it's a week that we can it's a, it's a perfect week for a Thursday night football game. Can I start there? I know typically I start the show and I open with speaking about what happened in the previous game. And then I kind of give just a couple bullet points for the, the game coming. And I feel like this time I want to put to rest the game that we just saw against the Patriots. Congratulations to the Patriots. Good game. You guys won. I'm not... It, I'm going to talk about it, but I just, 
I want to talk about how it is needed. <laughs> a short week for the Bills is needed. Um, there's some things that concern me about this game coming up, not in a way where I'm saying like, oh, my God, the Bills lost to the Patriots. Now the season is over. I'm not there. But I do think that um, there's a conversation to be had. And I know a lot of people have been mad at me over the last two weeks with some of the takes that I've had about the offense and Josh Allen and Ken Dorsey and even Sean McDermott having his um, having his hand too much in, I guess, the 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 creativity of Ken Dorsey or uh, stifling certain things that Josh Allen does well. But I think it's something to be said about it now, especially when you have the, you have Josh Allen and you have Ken Dorsey coming out saying, Hey, no, McDermott has a lot of input on what I do It's a certain way he likes to see the offense look. And I think that that is, is something that we have to, a, understand it's not Dorsey's fault. But the thing is, it falls on Dorsey. So it might not be your fault, but the thing is, we know on game day, we know every Sunday or every Thursday, every Monday night game that we play, we know that during the game, Ken Dorsey is the one calling the plays. So in planning, Sean McDermott has all this input and they scrap plays or they scrap designs and they scrap schemes or they go all in on something that they feel like will be a good game plan for that specific game. But the thing that's bothered me all year, I'm not even talking about the games that, that we've won. We've, we're still in a decent spot. We're four and three. We're one game behind Miami for the first place in the division. This game this week, I think is winnable, very winnable. DraftKings thinks so too. So I'm not in a place where I'm ready to, to, to freak out, give up, or, or, or have issues. But first, we need to allow Josh Allen to run the ball. I'm not talking about, I don't need Josh Allen to run 10 times a game for 80 yards and take unnecessary hits. That's not what I'm saying. But one of the most dangerous weapons that the Buffalo Bills had over the course of Josh Allen's career was like a power sweep to either side. Mitch Morse would come from his center position and swing over and be like a lead block. And you'd also have whichever side of the line. I'm not sure. It just depends on where you're going. But Spencer Brown typically was out there with him. And so you got Spencer Brown, Mitch Morris, and then whatever receivers are on that side blocking for Josh Allen is typically where you see Josh Allen hurdle guys, or you see um, him run people over on the side and stuff like that. It's those plays where you anticipate to get three to five yards where Josh being who Josh is, he's able to turn that three to five yard gain into a 10 to 15 yard game. And when you take that away from Josh, you're limiting his ability to be great. Yeah, he's a great quarterback. He can throw the ball. He has thrown the ball. We've seen this season where he's had games where against the Dolphins, where he's offensive player of the week. And then we see games against the Jets and the Patriots and the Giants and, you know, the Jaguars. And I get it. Everybody was mad at me. Spence, Josh didn't play bad against the Jags. He had 359 yards passing. But what about the first three quarters? Then you look at the Giants first three quarters. Now let's fast forward to this week and talk about the Patriots. 
the first three quarters. So when I start to place the blame on, on the coaching staff, Ken Dorsey and Sean McDermott, it's because what I'm noticing now, I know you cover one, shout out to the guys that cover one cover one does a great job at breaking down the all 22. Uh, Joe Marino does a phenomenal job at on his all 22 episode. Bruce Nolan does a great job as, as always at explaining everything and making everything such a, you know, they just, they do a great job at making things um, understandable. Love all of these guys, love all these podcasts and all these networks. I don't try to be an analytical guy. I'm not the guy. Now I do watch film. I watched y'all 22, but see when I try to relate to the people who listen to me is that when I watch it, I'm looking for the things that normal people watch. I like to break down the game. I've learned it on that level. But one of the things that I'm noticing that I feel like everybody can see from just you can see it. It doesn't have to take a film breakdown. It doesn't have to take learning about what what uh, a dime coverage is versus a nickel coverage or it doesn't. All that stuff is not what I'm talking about here. But what you can see when you watch the all 22 is that for the first three quarters of the game, the offense just is not flowing. The things that Ken Dorsey is sending in, it's not what we're used to out of the offense. And then we're down 10 points or nine points in the fourth quarter, and you need Josh Allen to figure it out. So then Ken Dorsey takes the training wheels off in the fourth quarter, and it's like, okay, Josh, do your thing, bring us back. And then we score 14 points in, in the fourth quarter, 13 points, 14 points. We're scoring in the fourth quarter. Now, this Sunday, there were a couple plays that I felt like if we would have hit on, the game would have been completely different. There was a, a, a play where Josh overthrew Stephon Diggs, probably a touchdown. You know, Dawson Knox is now out. Uh, he's going to be out a couple weeks with a, a wrist injury that he's going to get surgery for. But he dropped a pass, and we had some other things happen that, look, the offense – the offense needs to be better. And I know everybody wants to beat up on the defense because we lost to the Patriots and we allowed the Patriots to score the most points that they've scored all season. We've allowed the Patriots to do things that they weren't able to do all season. But this is, this is when I start to ask the question because everybody wants to come and talk to me about all these excuses. Look, the defense doesn't have any excuses. I know they don't have Matt Milano. Everybody wants I've I've seen it. I've seen it. I've even posted. I miss Matt. I miss Trey White. I miss DJ. Daquan Jones is a monster in the middle of the field. And now our run game looks suspect. So I get it. There are players that we miss. But the defense didn't have those guys last week against, against the Giants. The defense didn't have those guys for most of the game against the Jaguars. So I'm not, I'm not looking for excuses for the offense or the defense. I'm looking for solutions. And the thing that's concerning to me is that you look at a team like the Philadelphia Eagles and they'll go out and they'll make a trade for an all pro safety. Cause that's an area of need. They'll go out. No trade for another receiver. No trade for an offensive tackle. No trade for, and they're, they're all in. They feel like last year they got close. They were close to the Super Bowl. Or close to winning, I should say. They were close to winning the Super Bowl. 
And this year, they feel like they're even better. They haven't performed like it, but they will. The offense will figure it out, but they're also filling in the areas of need. And I get it. Brandon Bean doesn't want to trade away draft picks. We don't want to trade away players. We don't want to take on. Listen, at some point, you cannot win being you can't win at the highest level being hesitant to be aggressive. Either you're in this thing or you're not. And for me right now, it looks like the bills are not. For the last two years, myself and several other uh, analysts, media members, content creators, and then even just me being a fan, everybody being a fan have been clamoring for the Bills to trade for DeAndre Hopkins. Go get this guy. Go get that guy. And Brandon Bean always does his due diligence. So we always hear, oh, the Buffalo Bills are interested in X, Y player. The Bills are interested in this player. But things don't quite materialize the way we would prefer as fans. Because Brandon Bean is just kicking the tires on a lot of these things. So I saw an article that I think Matt Perino reposted or, or um, it was an older article, I believe. But Rob Gronkowski was talking about coming out of retirement and that he wanted to play for the Bills. How cool would it be to play for the Bills? I don't know if I want Gronk at this point coming out of retirement twice. He's still Gronk. But at this point, I'm, th there's needs on offense, I don't think tight end is it. Even with Dawson Knox going out with injury, I don't think Dawson Knox is the need or another tight end is the need. Dalton Kincaid finally had his coming out party. He had a game this Sunday against the New England Patriots. And when you, when you understand that now there's an opportunity for Kincaid to become a focal point of this offense for the next couple of weeks or several weeks with Knox out. I think we're going to see a completely, we're going to see what it looked like before. And I think that's what a lot of bills. Fans, I know everybody was excited about this 12 personnel with two tight ends, but I think it's at a point now where everybody is also looking forward to just seeing the rookie pay off. We spent the first round draft pick on him. And before this past Sunday, his best game was five catches for 43 yards, which is a good game. But other than that, he hasn't reached 30 yards on any point of the season. So Sunday, to go for eight receptions, 75 yards, this is, this is who we need to see out of Kincaid. I don't expect him to get eight catches every game, but I, I expect him to be in that five to six. I expect him to be he – was, he was catching balls over the middle of the field. That's what we missed. We haven't had somebody catching – Passes from Josh Allen over the middle of the field the way that he did Sunday since Cole Beasley was here with us the first time. I know we brought Cole back last time and last season and didn't quite, didn't pan out. But, but what we saw from Kincaid Sunday, bravo, young man. Ken Dorsey, again, did a lot wrong. He did a lot of things that I wasn't happy about. But one of the things he did right, you got Kincaid involved. But even with me saying this, I want to I, I be as positive as possible. So I'm saying Kincaid did the damn thing. And Ken Dorsey 
started to call those plays for him. And I appreciate that. That's what I've been asking for for the last few weeks. So positivity, right? But now let's be real about something. Stefan Diggs needs help. Stefan Diggs needs help. Kincaid showed up for the first time this season because of the play calling. I think Kincaid has played well all year. I think he's run routes very well. I think he's been open. I think when the ball has come his way, he's caught it. So I'm not complaining about Kincaid's performance over the year. I'm complaining because I feel like the ball doesn't go his way often enough. So if that's a decision-making thing on Josh or if that's play design and you're not calling plays specifically for Kincaid, then that's on Dorsey. But after Kincaid, Stefan Diggs needs help. I want, I want to be like Jeremy and be excited about Gabriel Davis having a breakout year. I want to be excited about um, how everybody was so happy that we signed Hardy and we signed Sherfield and we brought these guys in for speed. They got speed. We're going to be fast. We're going to get yards after the catch. We got rid of Isaiah McKenzie. We got rid of Beasley. We got rid of all of these guys that that we've seen Josh be successful with. I'm not a McKenzie fan. Every I don't think it's a secret. I don't. So I'm not saying bring him back. I'm not saying bring Cole Beasley back. I don't want to bring John Brown back. But damn it, why are we allowing Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen to waste the primes of their careers together? Stefan Diggs all season has been big time. He's been money. He's been money. I think this is the first game in, in the last five games that he didn't have 100 yards. Stefan Diggs has been money. But I need somebody else to step up. Gabriel Davis, he catches touchdowns. He has four on the year. And I know a lot of times, you know, the expectations, I guess, maybe that I'll have are what sounds ridiculous. But here's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking, I don't need him. So Jacksonville, he has six receptions for 100 yards and a touchdown. I don't need Gabe to do that every game. To me, those are wide receiver one numbers. I would love it if he did that and Diggs did what Diggs does. Oh, my God, I would love to have a tandem play as well as a Jamar Chase and T. Higgins or a tandem play as well as Jalen Waddle and Tariq Hill. I would love it. But that's not my expectation. My expectation is to not have one reception on five targets for six yards against the New England Patriots. My expectation is as wide receiver two, not to have three receptions for 21 yards against the New York Giants. Against Washington. I know we blew Washington out, right? So it don't matter. Uh, I disagree. He had one reception, which was a touchdown, but one catch on four targets for 35 yards. I need to move chains. I need to stay on the field. I need first downs. We're punting the ball too much. And maybe I'm spoiled as a fan because last season we had no punt games. We In the playoffs against the Patriots, we had no punt games. We had games where I think it, it was until like week six or something like that last season where the Buffalo Bills had more everything than punts. <laughs> I don't know what's happening with this offense. 
there's time to fix it. And this Thursday night against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it's a perfect opportunity to do so. Jordan Poyer is a dog. I'm going to just tell you that right now. I'm tired, everybody. Um, I'm seeing all of these comments, man. I'm tired. I'm tired. He's not washed. He's not old. He's, Micah Hyde is not washed. He's not old. They're old for their for their positions in, in the league. But we're acting like these guys have lost. First of all, Jordan Poyer had two of the biggest plays of the game. Force fumble when we needed it the most. A sack. I need y'all to I need y'all to understand. Teams don't throw Jordan Poyers away anymore. Last season, at the beginning of the year, they were throwing to him and he got four interceptions in three games, and they said that's enough of that. But y'all keep going off and telling me how Jordan Poyer is horrible and he's no longer a good player, and nobody wanted to sign him except the Bills. I happen to personally know that to not be true. Jeremy will be on the chop up tonight with Sterling. You watch the chop up and, and listen to Jeremy tell you how his brother had opportunities to go places. I'm not going to tell the men's business. I let Jeremy do it. But y'all tripping. Y'all tripping. And then I'm seeing everybody asking where Von Miller is. Von Miller, why are you asking about Von? I've been telling y'all since the summer, told y'all week one, week two, week three, week four, when they activated them off pup list, week five, weeks, I've been telling y'all, you don't come back from an ACL injury that easily. And then now you see him back on the injury report because he aggravated his knee. I get that Von goes on Twitter and he goes on his pod and he tells you that he's ready and he's great. Listen, the human body is the human body. Without an ACL, you have no stability. And when it needs to heal, you need to let it heal. This man tore his ACL in November last year. And we're rushing him back to, to late September, early October because, no, man. So to me, that's bad decision-making on Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean's part. I'm placing that 100% on them. The players are always going to want to come back and play. The players are always going to want to earn their check. The players are always going to want to win. And that's who Vaughn is. That's why everybody loves Vaughn. His entire career, he's been amazing. His entire career, he's been a dog. So Vaughn is going to want to be there. We know this. But now, I don't know how severe or if it's, I don't know if it's just Sore. I don't know if it's just swollen. I don't know what's going on because the team don't talk. But there's a tr real possibility that it, it could be damaged. I don't think that's the case. I think if something was majorly wrong with him, the Buffalo Bills would have to report that. And I think, you know, but still, the point is now he's back on the injury report when really he should have been given grace and time to fully heal. In every, in every scenario, an ACL tear typically takes a year to come back from. I know now we got all this new technology and we got all this new medicine. You got Aaron Rodgers with an Achilles tear that's already seen on the field throwing footballs after tearing his Achilles week one.
is week seven and he's on the field throwing footballs. Just unheard of stuff that we haven't seen. But I still haven't seen, unless you are Adrian Peterson, I haven't seen somebody come back from an ACL tear. Maybe Brees Hall at this point because he destroyed us week one. I don't know. I don't know. What I do know is everybody who knows me and everybody who listens to the Code of Conduct or Hump Day Hotline over the last three or four years, I think you all understand my feelings about this week's game. If the Buffalo Bills lose to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers led by quarterback Baker Mayfield, I am going to lose my mind. Going to lose my mind. So I'm going to bring in my guy. I'm going to bring in the big O, my man, Jerry Ostrowski. We want to have some conversation about the game and about um, just certain things around the league that we feel like are happening that the Bills don't jump on to be better. Let's go. Hey, football fans, the season is here. So, you know, that means family, football and food. But for the NFL's best fan base, it can't be just any food. Bill's Mafia only eats the best during the season. And the best is Picasso's Pizza. With four great locations in Western New York, it's so easy to treat yourself to the most flavorful pizza on game day. Picasso's. We are Buffalo Pizza. Shipping local and nationwide. Order online at picassospizza.net. All right, ladies and gentlemen, as promised, I have the big O joining me for the code of conduct and uh look at jerry i just gave my whole <laughs> i spilled my heart out for the first half of the show L- let me ask you as a former player and and still as a fan of the game and a fan of the bills when you look at this man what what is the problem is it is it the offense is it the defense and the injuries is it sean mcdermott being too involved in in offensive game planning right or what what do you think is the problem well well first and foremost Sean McDermott's the head coach, right? So he can be involved in any damn thing he wants to be involved in. That's his job. Okay. Now, is it always the best way to do everything? I don't know. But as far as that goes, is the head coach being too involved? That's his job is to be involved. But I will say this, and it's, it gives off a weird vibe to me. There's a weird aura going on. um, And it kind of starts with this whole, and I don't know. I'm a very personable guy. I mean, you know how I am. I like, you know, whole conversations. I'm a people person. I like to do those things. And as much as this whole Zoom world is cool and we get to talk and see each other, um, I still think there's a big value in face-to-face meetings and handling things, you know, a certain way. And the fact that he does his Zoom calls every week in his office, kind of hidden away, and he doesn't do it at a podium, and he doesn't do it in front of everybody where you can see people face-to-face, eye-to-eye, all those things. I, I just have an issue with that. So that kind of sets off – I think sometimes these guys aren't a certain way, but they set off a certain feeling because of how they handle stuff. Mm-hmm. So that right away kind of gives you a, a closed-off feeling, right? Like you don't really know what's going on inside the walls of one Bill's drive. So that kind of sets the tone. But really, I think there's a – Spence, I think there's a there's a whole bunch of different things going on. And I think the biggest battle right now 
is the battle between the head coach, who's the defense coordinator, trying to have a offense that is complementary to good defensive play. And if you look throughout history, okay, in the NFL, do y'all remember Buddy Ryan taking a swing at Kevin Gilbride on the sidelines of the Houston game? Yeah. What was that about? They threw a pick and put Buddy's defense in a bad spot. So Buddy went over and tried to fight him, right? Um, if you remember not too long ago, before Bruce Arians was a Super Bowl-winning head coach, he got fired at Pittsburgh because he was too tight with Ben Roethlisberger. And, you know, Tomlin, whoever felt there was kind of a power struggle there, there was a little bit of a discourse. They ran they ran Bruce out and brought in um, – Oh, I can't remember his name, but um, he's been in the league for a long time. I'll remember it here in a minute. I should have looked it up. But they brought another offense coordinator. There was tension there between him and Roethlisberger, but the offense got looped back into where Tomlin wanted it to be. So this is not something that is um, unique. Um, it's been going on forever. This is what's unique. I've never seen it really done before or had this big of an issue with the unicorn we have at quarterback. Mm. That's the difference. Um, you're trying to, you're, you're trying to play conservative defensive complementary football with a unicorn at quarterback who can do mind blowing things. And then that's where, that's where the rub is. Well, your point, I understand your point, and you're right. It's not uncommon for a head coach to interject in anything. He should. It's his job on the line. Like, he's the head coach. But right. I think, I guess, my issue, and I think what a lot of Bills fans who are on this side of the argument, I think the issue that I'm having is because, you know, a lot of us don't want to blame the offense, especially because Josh is there. And it's like, right, right. Well, we're still third in the league in scoring and we're still uh, top five in this and we're top this. And so I understand that from a, a fan base point of view, we don't want to ever place the blame on our superstar. But for me, the, the biggest issue that I've had, and I've, I've seen all the all 22s, I've seen everybody breaking down different things. And, and, and you and I have even had some fun debate with Joe in, in our text message that we have and stuff. And, but the thing is, for me, the problem is, why is it that the offense doesn't get going until they have to? So it's like they and, and I know a lot of people this week were, were upset with the defense or so the defense gave up 29 points to the worst team in the league. Yeah, offense is horrible, but they get OK. You're right. However, the offense went five of 12, one third down, which means they're not staying. I know they won the time of possession. Right. I know that. But right. five of 12 on third down means you're not converting. It means that you're not. Right. And, and then in that fourth quarter, once again, Josh Allen shows up yep. and it looks like the offense finally wakes up in the fourth quarter. What is it about quarters one through three over the last three weeks that is holding the bills back? You know, and it's, uh, granted, again, the defense didn't do well. It was 29 points given up against a team that has been scoring 12 points all season. But I just don't feel like you can expect the defense to bail the offense out every single week. No, the offense has to score more points. And I really do believe the offense is a tone setter because with the style of football we play nowadays and the rules that we have nowadays and, you know, 
offenses are going to score. Mm-hmm. I don't care what kind of defense you have. I mean, you saw it last night on the 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 49ers Vikings game. The Niners had the number one scoring defense in the league, giving up 14.5. They didn't look that way last night. No. Um, you know, so teams are going to go out and score. It's just the way it is. So you got to match firepower for firepower. You got to be able to go out and start fast and score and put that's how I think I think that's how you put pressure on another team. And I think if you look at the way that Miami game went, we went toe to toe. Boom, boom, boom. Four or five drives. We're going back and forth until we finally got to stop. Miami, you know, we talked about last night, you can say blinked and that pressure hit and then we were able to get on our run. So to expect the defense to go out there and shut people down like that, it's kind of crazy. But I just think that when we get behind, we go to a style of football that best complements the skill level of our quarterback. It's that simple. I don't think, I don't think we are a ball control um, system type offense. Um, I think we have a quarterback that can make a ton of plays with his feet, with his athleticism, with his elite arm strength that feels comfortable doing that. And that's how we get back into things. If you want to set the tone, let the guy that's 6'5", 2", whatever he is, run down the field and truck a safety and get up and do his deals that he does and see what happens. That, to me, has been the biggest difference is you got Diggs, you got Josh, you got everybody else looking at one another going, who's going to make the play? Yeah. And, you know, we got into this mode early where, you know, we try to get the ball to Diggs. We don't – those two guys have to be complimentary in the fact that if if Josh – Josh can set the tone with his physical play, which then opens up the passing and all that and vice versa. But this offense kind of just is sitting around looking like, okay – When's Diggs going to get us out of this? When's Josh going to get us out of this? As opposed to everybody going in the same direction. And so last, not obviously not this week's game, but last week's game against the Giants, a lot of a lot of the fan base, and I would say even a ton of analysis. You know, the analysis that came out last week in in the right. national media and local media, some people felt like Diggs was getting targeted too much. And then mm-hmm. now you look at this last game against the Patriots and, and Kincaid showed up. He looked good. He had eight receptions more than any point of the season. I talked about it the first half of the show that um, to me, right. all season Kincaid has been playing well. He's been open. He's been running good routes. Um, he hasn't gotten targets. Now he finally right. got targets and it looks like, oh, we spent the first rounder on a guy that's worth it. Um, how do you feel about the situation going forward with Knox uh, being out for According to Sean McDermott, he hasn't given us an actual timetable as far as the surgery on his on his wrist. How do you think this offense looks moving forward? I think this has been slowly coming to a crescendo. I think every week, every week we saw signs that this eventually was going to be the case. Um, the wrist surgery is a um, convenient is a convenience. It allows the change to happen without there being a big you know they bench knocks right. Now they bench Knox because they had to because he had wrist surgery. So it's a convenience to the football team. Um, but when you look at what's going on, I think that the the whole scream for for 12 personnel, okay, that whole that whole deal. Um, yeah, it's it's good in spurts, 
Um, it's not what the Bills do. Um, it's what they've tried to do. But I thought that New England did a great job scheming against it. And I just don't think I, I don't think we were ever really comfortable in that that personnel package. I mean, you look at it one, two, three, four, five. I mean, we ran it quite a bit early in the game and then went away from it as we got down. But um Kincaid's the future at tight end. He's a hybrid. He can do a lot of things in the passing game. And like I said the other day, he's a much better blocker than I thought he was. Um, and he's competitive. He's not a, he's not a, you know, he's not one of these tight ends that goes down and blocks and kind of pushes. And I mean, he gets after you, um, you know, so I think he's going to be a really, really good addition as far as just getting more reps, uh, until Knox comes back. But, um, yeah. I mean, I think the writing was on the wall. This is an 11 personnel team with Kincaid at tight end. And we're going to go and from there. I think that's going to work. You know, it's, it sounds bad to say it. We we all love Knox. I think anybody who's had an opportunity to meet him or or even just listen to him and watch him and know his story, we love the guy. I think, I think Knox is a great guy. But a $52 million contract with the production that we've gotten from him, he hasn't hit 25 yards and yeah, it's only been one game this entire season that he's hit 25 yards. Um, he, he's just not pr- giving us the production for that type of contract. So, all right, last thing, man, and I'll let you get on out of here and uh, get ready to look forward to this next week. I, I don't even know if I want to talk about next week's game yet. Well, if I don't we even know. If it, Baker, like we talked about last night, Spence, is it even a week? It's like two days and they play again. It's the worst yeah. thing going in football. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Thursday night it's the worst thing stuff. going, but I think right now for the team, like I think after a loss like that, a quick turnaround for another game is kind of just what the doctor ordered in a way. So like, because could you imagine like if this was a bye week or, you know what I mean? Like I just think it would yeah. be, it would be yeah. insufferable for me to be a Bills fan yeah. for another week after a loss like that. So I think a quick turnaround from that perspective is good. But, no, I agree with you. I hate the Thursday night games. I just think they need to – I get it. It's about money. I, I, you know, the NFL is good at it. They know what they're doing. But I just think it's a, a player safety issue and and a quality issue. I don't think the Thursday night games – I don't think teams are no. um, just putting the best product on it. Same thing with the international games. I don't think teams traveling – not, I'm not using it as an excuse for the Bills losing, but I just don't think that it's a good product that they're putting on the field with no. these teams uh, for quick turnarounds or for, for you know, international travel. But yep. last question I wanted to ask you, 
was uh, so Brandon Bean this morning. Uh, we see that he converted Deion Dawkins' contract uh, or this year's contract to convert the bonus, or I, I don't know exactly how it works, but it opens up three point nine million dollars for the Buffalo Bills. Do you see? Uh, that being a factor, like us making a trade for somebody now towards the deadline, or do you think that it's just kind of all about nothing? No, I think it's totally um, gives the Bills an option to make a trade. Now, do they have – what we won't know is do they have a specific target that they're trying to go get? Do they know they can get somebody and this is what they needed, or do they just want to be ready with money in the cachet in case something falls into their lap? Um, somebody's going to move – I really do. I kind of have a feeling um, who that is. I don't know. And who they pick up. I don't know. I think, I think probably Spence, I mean, I don't know how you feel, but if they went out and ran a trade with somebody, I think maybe, would you think secondary help would be first? Um, you know, John thought last night that he really would like with another interior defensive tackle. That's where I was. That's where I'm at. I think over <clears> the not first for $3 million. <laughs> You're right, not for $3 million, but it's like when you look at the first five, six weeks of the season, our run defense looked very good with the exception of, you know, week one with Brees Hall, you know, having those two large, those long runs. I feel like our run defense picked it up, and now you lose Daquan Jones. And Ed Oliver's playing well, but without Daquan Jones, it seems like he's just not playing as well now. I'd, I'd want to, man, I want to plug up that hole on the defense. Well, I line. think Ed was playing great. Ed, and and we talked about it last night, if Ed has a toe injury, it's going to be debilitating. Mm-hmm. Those mm-hmm. are not, those are not, those are not easy injuries to come back from. Yeah. And so yeah. maybe that's where they go and try to find some, somebody there. But, you know, I just wish offense? we would be proactive, you know? What about offense? It seems like. Uh, Tennessee is basically selling everything. I see a lot of people, right. in, you know, see a lot of people clamoring for Henry still. I don't think we, I don't personally, I'm, I don't want Henry here. I, I like what we no. have with, with James Cook. I think that the run game for the first time since we've had Josh Allen, I think the run game is working. So I don't want to mess with it. Um, but obviously D hop is coming up again as a, as a conversation. There's some other receivers around the league. Do you think offense is looked at at all? Or you think it's really just defense like the secondary linebackers and defensive tackle? I think offense is definitely looked at, and um, I think you've got to you've got to figure out a way to upgrade the receiver position. You do, and and but I love I game. In their defense, though, in their defense, though, Spence, there's what three guys there. We have no idea what the hell they can do because they don't ever get a chance. So do you give those guys a chance first, and then try to upgrade? You know what I mean? I mean, why not no, Hardy? Why not play Hardy more? Well, you know what? Okay, so this is I know I said last question, but this is this is really the last question. <laughs> so with that being the case, you're when you talk about guys who don't get opportunities and you talk about I have this way of looking at it where it's like true, give them more opportunities and maybe they can do more. But I also feel like a lot of these guys, we know who they are. Right. And so I don't think that they sign Hardy or Sherfield with the intention of them coming in being game changers. Right. And I think that we assumed that Gabe Davis would take another step forward and be that game changer and alongside Diggs and Kincaid. You know, so I, f- I feel like the team f- thought we had that coming in. So, yeah, give Sherfield and, and Hardy more opportunities and, and Shakir, give them all opportunities. But do you do you feel like it would be important to because, I man, I look at the Eagles and it's like they they're not holding nothing back. It's like you go and get an all pro safety. You know, obviously yeah. they brought in an all pro wide receiver like last yeah. season, and then they're bringing it. It's like they're they're like, look, yeah. we're here. 
and we got to get proactive. They're yeah. proactive. They're not sitting back going, oh, we need this. They're just going out and doing it. They're identifying in their war room what they need, and they're go doing it. I mean, that's the difference. Having the forefront, somebody said, well, why would, you know, Julio Jones, whatever, why would you, why would you do that? They got so-and-so. So I, I don't know, but he played the other night, caught like three balls. Mm-hmm. You know, they obviously saw something on their roster where they needed, they felt they needed another complimentary piece. And, you know, that's the thing about, about a franchise like Philadelphia that's that is really inspiring. I mean, they don't sit back. They see they see their problems, they identify them. They don't feel bad about having problems. You know, they're not like, well, we just brush this under the rug. They see them, they attack them, and they fix them. And yeah, now they're sitting there two weeks in a row, two trades. They got all pro safety, like you said. Come on. Incredible. Well, Jerry, <laughs> thank you, man. Uh, it's just annoying, you know, because you know no, that we're is. there, too. Like, you know how close we are. And then you also notice the holes that we have now after injuries and after just after everything is happening. It's like, right. okay, this is this is trending to be one of those seasons that's lost because of bad fortune. You know, like, you you can't predict a Matt Milano injury like that. You can't predict a Daquan Jones injury like that. But come on, man. Like, we're not when done happens, yet. You I got a question back for and you. Say, okay, well, we're going to be fine with uh, bringing up a guy that I don't know. Okay, all right, we're not done uh, yet. I got one more question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we talked about this last night. You're looking at you're looking at a quarterback that's going into year six, right? Mm-hmm. You got a wide receiver that was an All Pro that's one of the greatest of all time that many think will be in the Hall of Fame. Do you? When does? When do? the likes of Josh Allen and Diggs and guys that are leaders have enough. And when do they go to the, to the, to the office, the head coach's office and sit down and say, we need to fix this. This is what we want to do. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, do we, I just know, you know, a lot of teams, you know, there's, it's open. I mean, you, they talk, I mean, if you're going to put this kind of, leadership value on these guys, they should be able to walk upstairs and talk about what they want to do. And True. what do you, what do you feel about that? Well, I will say this. I think everybody called Stefan Diggs a diva because he was excused from a practice. But I think Stefan Diggs did exactly that at the beginning of the season. I think Stefan Diggs made it very clear that he's not happy with a lot of the way or with the way a lot of things went towards the end of last season and I don't think he was satisfied with the lack of aggression heading into this season. I don't think there was in any real moves made offensively off, offensively yeah. other than signing or drafting Kincaid. Drafting Kincaid, you're right. So I, I think Kincaid and Osiris Torrance. Yes, and Osiris. That was a very Osiris well, has been a godsend. McGovern. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I think I think Diggs has done that, and I think because he's that type of leader, and he's passionate, and he's loud, and he's a receiver, and he wants the ball, so people look at it like, oh, he's just a complaining diva, but I think Mm -hmm. Stefan Diggs, he deserves more credit than he's gotten over this time for his reaction on things. My biggest complaint about Josh Allen this year, outside of, like, the first through third quarter woes over the last three games, I felt that at this point of his career, really last season, I thought at this point of his career, now I want to see him take that next step to where he is controlling the offense. So I get it. Ken Dorsey is the offensive coordinator. I get it that he calls the play. But 
Jim Kelly had a pretty good offensive coordinator too. And at one point it became his offense. Peyton Manning had a very good offensive coordinator too. And at one point it became his offense. At some point when you have a superstar athlete, when you have a guy that can just, at some point you got to say, okay, I'm putting the offense in your hands, man. Let, like, let's go win this thing for us. The defense will do our job. Go do your job. And, yeah. and that's it. So, so that's where I'm at with it, man. How do you, how do you feel about it? That's kind of where I am. I mean, I think when you're in year six, moving to year seven, and you're the type of player he is, there needs to come a time where it's not Ken Dorsey's offense, it's our offense. Mm-hmm. I'm heavily involved in the game planning. I'm telling you what I like to do, what I don't like to do, what I like, what I don't like. And it's it's together. Now, if 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 Josh is really truthfully locked at the hip with Dorsey like he claims to be, after he made the comments last week about all the all pro OCs at home and all that stuff and this, that, and he supposedly endorsed Dorsey to take over for Dable and everything, which is fine. I have, I have no problem with that. As I don't, un, unlike most, I don't think Dorsey is, I don't think Dorsey is trash. I think Dorsey's caught in a conundrum. I think he's getting pulled 16 different ways. He's trying to please too many people. Um, and mainly the head coach. And then you got this over here and then you got fan bases. But um, it's time to step up and be that vocal dude, man. Yeah. And if you hurt feelings, you hurt feelings. 100%. I mean, that's part of leadership. Leadership is not being friends with everybody. Leadership is being honest and, and having integrity and doing what's best for your team. And if people get mad, then they get mad and they fall off the wayside and we keep moving on. The train moves forward, right? Because mm-hmm. um, you can't control everybody and their feelings and how they feel about stuff. And that's where I want to see – I don't want to see <laughs> – you know, we got sugar high Josh, and then that when he's at on the bench with that with that faraway stare at the end of the game, like something crazy. You know, that's it's kind of that you know, uh, I don't know, shell shock Josh or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. Like, I don't want to see that anymore. I want to see him go into press conferences and be pissed and and be upset and and hold people accountable. I mean, the great ones do that. And and to me, it, I know it will ruffle some feathers. It it bug some people. I was bothered as a fan for the first time in his entire career when he made that statement about couch GMs or couch offensive yeah. coordinators. Right. I have loved Josh Allen through every bad turnover, every bad game, every great game, every huge win. I've loved him through it all. That was the first time in his career that I felt like um, he he handled that. He handled that in a way that I, I just I don't think was appropriate and i don't think that it was fair for the fan base this fan base loves everything about this team and we're spoiled i understand that we're spoiled because of what you guys have shown us we know what josh allen and stefan Diggs looks like together we know how many points this team can score we've seen you go toe-to-toe with patrick mahomes in the playoffs and win the game twice on offense and then lose it in overtime because you didn't get the ball first we've seen this so now when we have legitimate questions about why the offense is not moving the ball, why they are five and 12 on third down against the new England Patriots. When we're asking why the team can't score in the first three quarters. And then all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, Josh Allen looks like Superman again. And then we try to, that's a legitimate concern. And, and again, everybody knows I love Josh, but that was the first moment that I've been disappointed in him when it comes to, 
um, any conversation that he's had with the fan base or about the fan base. I just think it was completely mishandled. So um, did you, do you agree with that? And then we really can get on out of here. I, I, want you to I plug totally agree with it. He's not a kid anymore. He's not yeah. a kid anymore. He's the face of the franchise. It's time to act like it. And when I say that, I don't mean that he's out there being a, a childish brat. I'm talking about demanding demanding respect through leadership and all those things and being that dude that that he can be. I think that's the biggest thing is that next step in his maturity process as the face of the franchise and, and one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get on out of here, man. Why don't you go ahead and plug your show? I know you and Sarah have a – have a big one this week. Um, yeah, we got line the game. We're going to have to tape it because uh, all you people that go to all these games, um, you know, she's on number 51 now, I guess. And it's funny, Spence. I'm, I'm just going to, you know, being on the sh- being on the off tackle show last night, which was hilarious. It was great. Being was on great. the pod with you, which is always awesome. I love catching up with you. She hasn't had a chance to publicly vent yet, I do not believe. Hmm. So I don't know. Did you ever see the movie Uncle Buck? No. You don't know Uncle Buck? All right. There's this one part where John Candy's on the phone. And he's talking to his girlfriend, and she's real, she's real mad, and and she's yelling at him. He's going, but I mean, but it's a, but see, but about, oh, like he can't get a word in, right? Um, that's how it's going to be tonight. So I'm not even intending on talking very much tonight. I'm just going to facilitate. I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna be like, Josh Allen, go. And then I'm just going to sit back and let her have at it. So yeah, it should yeah. be a it should be a really good uh, line to gain, uh, which will be Wednesday night at at nine Eastern. Uh, it will be the Sarah venting about the New England game show. Yeah, and you know what? You're right. I haven't even talked to her, and normally she'll vent after the game or the next day. I haven't even talked to her yet this week, so I, I already know when when you guys oh, get to line to know game, already. Be, yeah, I already got that text. She's like, we need to do this on Monday because I, I just can't hold this in until Wednesday night. And I'm like, okay, well, then right. let's go Monday. So <laughs> she couldn't go Monday. And she's like, I'm so sorry. I can't go. But um, so we're going to go tonight. And uh, okay. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing it, man. And um, also during for the rest of the season, please make sure y'all check out uh, Jerry's primetime rumbling show that he does. Uh, it's, it's been, it's been good. So he gives you good insight on um primetime games early in the week and you know I, I think we got some stuff coming soon here where he's also going to be talking about the entire nfl so uh check out big o follow him on socials he's he's a little less active as of late because he's a little you know i need to be like him and get less active but but check him out on the socials man and everything else is good over here with buffalo rumblers y'all know how we do it y'all love each other take care of each other and live in peace and as always stay positive test negative go bills <laughs> Code of conduct.